Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. I am Jason, your co-host, with our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, at our side. And we are doing another reading of the Magna Carta. Part 5, I believe, is what we're in. We'll be doing sections 36 through 45. All right. So let's get into it. Magna Carta, section 35. Nothing in your future shall be given or taken for a writ of inquisition of life or limbs, but freely it shall be granted and never denied. Now, this means what this is emphasizing here is that in the future, no one should be subjected to arbitrary investigations or punishments, right? And no one, uh, and particularly regarding their life or physical well-being. Now, it stipulates that these rights should be freely granted and never uh, uh, never denied, right? Underscoring a commitment to protecting individual freedoms and rights against unjust actions by authorities or the state. Now, this clause is a pivotal, is pivotal uh, or a pivotal early expression of the principle of due process and the rule of law. Now, section 37. <clears throat> reads, if anyone holds of us by fee farm, either by soakage, uh, uh, sockage, or by burrage, or of any other land by night services, we will not be, or we will not, by reason of the fee farm, sockage, or burnage, have the wardship of the heir, or of such land of his, as if of the fife of that other. Nor shall we have wardship of that fee farm, Sockage or burgage, excuse me, burgage, unless such fee farm owes night services. Now, we will not, by reason of any small surgency which anyone may hold of us by the service of rendering to us knives, arrows, or the like, have wardship of his heir or of the land which he holds of another lord by night service. Okay. <clears throat> Now, what Clause 37 here is saying here in the Magna Carta, by the way, is it addresses the issue of wardship, specifying that certain types of land holding, such as fee farm, sockage, or burgage, uh, should not automatically grant the king the right to have wardship over the heir of their lands. Now, wardship would only apply if the landholder uh, or the land holding owed knight's service, right? Additionally, the clause ensures that minor surgencies, uh, which involve rendering small services like providing knives or arrows uh, to the king, should not result in the king having wardship over the heir or the lands held from another lord uh, through knight service. And this clause sought to limit the king's control over the property and heirs of his subjects. Now, Section 38 reads, no bailiff for the future shall, upon his own unsupported complaint, put any to hit anyone to his law without credible witnesses uh, brought for this purpose. Now, what this is saying is that in the future, no bailiff can based, you know, again, can not based solely on their own supported accusations, subject anyone to law, which likely means a legal procedure or punishment. Right. So instead, credible witnesses must be brought forth to support the accusation. And this clause is a safeguard against arbitrary and unjust legal actions by local officials, emphasizing the importance of evidence in due process. OK. All right. Section 39. And that's a good thing to have, by the way. All right. Section 39. No freeman 
shall be taken or imprisoned or um, deceased or exiled or in any way destroyed, nor will we go upon him nor send upon him except by the lawful judgment of his peers or by the law of the land. Now, this segment emphasizes that no free person, no free man, I should say, right, should be captured, imprisoned, or dis, uh, dispossessed, exiled, or harmed in any way without uh, proper legal judgment. Now, such judgment should come either from a trial by one's peers or according to uh, the established laws of the land. Now, in essence, it underscores the importance of due process and protection of individual rights within a legal framework. All right, section 40. Uh, to no one will we sell, to no one will we refuse or delay right or justice. Now, this section here states that justice and rights should not be sold to anyone, nor should they be denied or delayed. Now, it emphasizes the principle that access to justice and the protection of rights should be available to all without discrimination or undue hindrance, highlighting the importance of impartial and fair legal proceedings. Section 41, all merchants shall have safe and secure exit from England and entry to England with the right to ta uh, to tarry, 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 T-A-R-R-Y, uh, there and to move about as well by land as by water. For buying and selling by the ancient and right customs quit from all evil tool tolls, except in time of war, such merchants as are of the land at war with us, and if such are found in our land at the beginning of the war, they shall be detained without injury to their bodies or goods until information be received by us or by our chief justice, um, justicer, how the merchants of our land found in the land at war with us are treated. And if our men are safe there, the others shall be safe in our land. Now, what this clause ensures is that merchants, both foreign and domestic, have a right to enter and exit England safely, uh, conduct trade according uh, to the established customs, and move about freely by land and water without being subject to unfair tolls. Now, it exempts them from such tolls except in times of war when merchants from a warring nation are in England. So basically, in that case, they may be detained but should not be harmed until information is received about how English merchants are treated in the enemy's land. And this clause seeks to protect the rights and security of merchants engaging in commerce and reflects an early form of international trade regulations. Now, Section 42 reads, it shall be lawful in the future or in future for anyone excepting all those imprisoned or outlawed in accordance with the law of the kingdom and natives of any country at war with us and merchants who shall be treated as if above provided to leave our kingdom and to return safe and secure by land and water except for a short period in time of war or grounds of public policy, reserving always the allegiance due to us. Now, this clause affirms um, it affirms that in the future, it will be legally permissible for anyone with specific exceptions, uh, such as prisoners, outlaws, and individuals from hostile nations to uh, freely depart from and return to the kingdom of England using both land and water routes. However, uh, during brief periods of wartime or for reasons of public policy, restrictions on travel may apply. Importantly, it underscores that despite these rights, individuals are still expected to maintain their loyalty and allegiance to the crown. Now, this clause underscores the principles of mobility and individual freedom within the context of national loyalty. All right, section 43 reads, if anyone holding of some uh, 
S-sheet, such as the honor of a Wallingford or Nottingham or a Boulogne, a Lancaster, or of other S-sheets, uh, which are in our hands and our baronies, shall die. His heir shall give no other relief and perform no other service to us than he would have done to the baron if that barony had been in the baron's hand, and we shall hold it in the same manner in which the baron held it. Now, this section essentially means that if anyone holds a property or land, that has reverted to the king's ownership, okay, which is an escheat in this context, um, they, and, and if they pass away, their heirs should not be subjected to additional financial or service obligations beyond what has been expected if the property had still been in the possession of the original baron. So in other words, uh, the heir should inherit the property under the same conditions as the previous owner or the baron, right? And the king will treat it in the same manner as the baron did. Now, this clause seeks to ensure a degree of consistency and fairness in the inheritance and management of the escheated properties. Okay, now, section 44 reads, men who dwell without the forest need not henceforth come before our justiciaries of the forest upon general summons, unless... They are in plea or sureties of one or more who are attached for the forest. Now, this section specifies that people who live outside the forest, um, they're no longer required to appear before the king's forest officials, right? Justiciaries of the forest uh, through a general summons, unless they are directly involved in a legal dispute related to the forest or are sureties for someone who has been accused of a forest-related offense. So essentially, it limits the authority of the forest officials to summon individuals from outside the forest unless there is a valid legal reason to do so. Now, this clause aims to reduce unnecessary interference in the lives of those who don't reside within the forest jurisdiction. In the last section, section 45, we will appoint as justices, constables, sheriffs, and or bailiffs only such as now know the law of the realm and mean to observe it well. So the section states that individuals appointed to serve as justices, constables, sheriffs, or bailiffs must possess a good understanding of the laws of the realm and demonstrate a commitment to upholding and enforcing those laws effectively. So in essence, it emphasizes the importance of appointing knowledgeable and law-abiding individuals to positions of authority within the legal and law enforcement system. Now, this provision aims to ensure that those responsible for administering justice and maintaining order are qualified to, or excuse me, are qualified and dedicated to their duties. So that is all we have, ladies and gentlemen, for this section of uh, the reading of the Magna Carta, sections 36 through 45. Like I said, there's, a, I believe, 63 sections here. I don't have it all in front of me. I just kind of uh, I copy and paste the sections I'm going to read into my show notes here. So anyways, I hope this has been enlightening and you guys have been learning something as we've been going through these readings of the Magna Carta, Okay, which stands for, by the way, the Great Charter. Okay, The Magna Carta stands for the Great Charter. Um, just in case you were wondering what Magna Carta really means. So I hope you all have a great day, great morning, night, wherever you might be located in the world and whatever time you're listening to this. Since we are an international community, I hope you have a great day or night. And uh, God bless. Godspeed. Thank mm-hmm. you.